0: Hello everybody, it's Jessica, and you might notice a very scratchy throat (laughs) in my intro and in today's episode. You guys, my acid reflux is wreaking havoc on my voice and my throat and my sleeping. Ay ay ay. If anybody has any great solutions for acid reflux while pregnant, I am all ears because my voice is so scratchy. You know, some coughing and things in the episode. I'm going to try and edit it out, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But anyway, my guest today is the lovely Lori Palau, and she is so, so extraordinary we're going to largely talk about organization. She is the host of the Extraordinary Life podcast and the founder of Simply Be Organized. But organizing is not just about the physical space in your home. We talk about organizing your time, organizing your emotions and your mental space and decluttering those things. She is so incredible and she... Has always been a type A person and she had to really problem solve when her husband was traveling a lot, gr- when her little kids were growing up, and now she has practical solutions to offer hope for those that are struggling with organization. So let's get to it with Lori. All right, I'm so excited to be chatting with Lori Palau today. Hi, Lori. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm in Southern California. You're on the other side of the nation. What's weather looking like where you are today?
1: Oh, I'm so <laughs> jealous. It is it is not pretty. It's actually, it's pretty mild right now. Um, I, I haven't checked the weather, but maybe like 40s. Okay. I don't know. It's, yeah. it's clear. There's no snow on the ground, which is a good thing. Um, but it's certainly not Southern California. Yeah,
0: that's true, that's true. We've lived in a lot of snowy climates as well, though we, Um, one of the places was Chesapeake, Virginia. And it was so funny because we didn't get a ton, a ton of snow in Chesapeake, but the infrastructure of the city was not equipped for when it basically did snow. Like there was like three plows for the whole area. And so they would shut down schools for, you know, a week at a time, but it wasn't even that crazy. They just couldn't get to everybody at the same time. And so it'd be like locked down. And it was always
1: so interesting to me. So funny. Yeah. Yeah, So funny. Yeah. Yeah, I have friends from upstate New York where it's like – blizzards all the time. And they're like, we have five inches here. And they're like, it's nothing. So it's all relative.
0: It's all relative. It is all relative. But getting a little snow in the winter is always a treat. It feels so cozy. Well, I'm so excited to chat with you today. Um, You are a, a new friend to me. And I am so excited to learn from your passions of organization and decluttering and getting even beneath the surface of the decluttering of stuff which is what you're really passionate about. So for people that don't know you yet, Lori, will you give a little background on yourself and your family?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'll just start with the personal stuff first. Mm. Um, I am married to my husband for almost like 23 years. We've been together longer than we haven't, I always say. Uh, We have two almost grown daughters. So I'm a mom of bigs. I have a 20-year-old who's a sophomore in college and I have a senior in high school and she's ready to fly the coop. She's 17. So totally different season of life than a lot of my own listeners and maybe some of your listeners. Uh, But I've kind of like been there, done that, I like to say. And on the professional side, I run a company called Simply Be Organized and it started really as a professional organizing company to help people, um, my core demographic was really moms just because I was a mom and so that, that was kind of the circle that I lived in, but really to help anybody develop strategies and systems to declutter and like live a more organized life. But the more I got into kind of the rolling up the sleeves part of the business, I started looking at clutter more than just your stuff mm-hmm. and that kind of set me down a rabbit hole for several years of studying clutter studying patterns of behavior um eventually led me to write a book called The Hot Mess a practical guide to getting organized and it really talks about kind of what is clutter and breaking clutter into different kind of categories if you will hmm. and so now what I do is I still work a little bit doing some consulting one on one with people but the bulk of my time is spent on my own podcast uh, teaching and talking to people about clutter and helping them to de- develop strategies that are going to work for them because it's such a personal journey and there's so much shame that people feel around it mm-hmm. and it really doesn't have to be. Mm-hmm. So we kind of just talk about that and... That's kind of my jam. Yeah, I
0: love that. And it's so much easier to talk about other people's clutter, isn't it? <laughs> oh
1: for sure. Absolutely. It's always it's always easier to give advice to somebody else's yeah. you know, issues and whatever you're dealing with at home.
0: Right. Absolutely. I can relate to that. Can we talk about your daughter as a senior poor thing?
1: Yes. This,
0: these last few months, year now, I can't even believe we're saying it's been a year. Almost since since the shutdown, how is she doing, and how have you helped her to navigate the losses and and grieving what she thought was her senior year was going to look like, and accepting what
1: is? How's that looked for you guys? Well, first, thank you. That's so sweet of you to ask. Really? I appreciate yeah. that. Um, in short, she's actually doing really well. Um, I think of my two kids that would have to kind of navigate the loss of some of those high school milestones she's more well equipped for mm-hmm. it than my other one my okay. my older daughter was super super like involved with all parts of school. She was like photo most athletic. She did tons of sports. She was in student government like so she was really like entrenched in like school spirit and all the things. So those losses I think would have a larger impact because mm-hmm. she was really invested. My daughter now, she has a lot of extracurricular stuff. She's a musician and so she, a lot of her friendships and relationships although she enjoys school are really rooted outside of those you know high mm-hmm. school milestones so yes mm-hmm. she's bummed that she's going to miss prom and yes she's bummed that there are other things but i think in terms of just the loss um that they're experiencing she's actually taking it pretty pretty well mm-hmm. and and we've just kind of talked openly with both my kids just about you know we have to just roll with the punches you know this is something that it stinks and for everybody and i really feel badly that they're not going to experience some of these you know kinds of rites of passage if you will Mm -hmm. but they'll have other memories and milestones and you know we can only control what we can control so you want to feel bad feel bad but then like Let's move on. <laughs> yeah, totally. Which is kind of my approach to everything. It's like, okay, right? you your moment. And, you know, we can be bummed and not feel sorry for ourselves, but, you know, whatever. But right. then we can't ruminate in that because there's just nothing good that comes to that.
0: Right, exactly. And I really like thinking of it in terms of like – Okay, so for whatever circumstance we're in, like what is the appropriate like level of reaction or like the appropriate response time for a certain thing? Because sometimes, especially for for young kids, you know, they seem to be freaking out over these like little things. And so helping them to kind of temper their reaction size to, you know what? He just took your toy. It's really okay. Like what else can we do? And How can we work through this and then getting them to move on versus, you know, other losses, which obviously take a lot more time to process and grieve and things like that. And so helping your, regardless of how old your child is and even ourselves saying, you know, like give yourself the time and space to react and, and feel the emotion and then really take a clear look at, you know, what is the appropriate size of this devastation and can we move on from that? Or what's the next step to be able to, to move, to move forward? Cause that's, that's living. That's just what oh life my gosh, is.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And like, and i I mean, I think this particular like time in, you know, our culture, there's loss on every level, yes. you know, yes. it's whether it's school, whether it's work, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, you know, um, people that were planning, you know, Weddings and vacations and you know all of these things and it's just you know it's a matter of trying to have these kind of this perspective I think and coping strategies to you know like you said feel it and then let's navigate forward.
0: It. Yeah, absolutely. So my oldest is only 10 right now. Um, I have three boys under under age 10 and then I'm pregnant with my fourth boy. Oh my oh. gosh, congrats. Oh, thanks That's so, so much. Yeah, we're so excited. Um, but I love talking to moms that are a season beyond where I am because as much as I am parenting in the moment, I'm also thinking about the foundational things and lessons and communication and relationship and bonding that I'm building right now that will pay out later. So if you want to be close to your teen and you want to have your teen be able to open up to you and talk to you and feel safe with you, you have to do things before the crux of a critical situation to get them to that point. Was there anything that you did or have reflected upon now that you have older kids that, you know, has set you up for that success to have good relationships with your daughters? (laughs)
1: Um, I'm laughing because I'm thinking it could go in the other direction as well I'm I'm always better equipped to be like, "Um, what parenting mistakes did I make? But but yeah, I think, you know, I'm actually going to take a page out of my husband's book on this one For us, you know, we have, you know, we have two girls And just like you're a mom of three boys, they're all different, right? Mm -hmm. They have different interests, different personalities and, you know, the same goes true with my kids. And for me, I think one of the things that we try to do is really encourage our kids to be individuals and not force them into molds that we wanted them to be in. You know, mm-hmm. whether that's sports or dance or art or music or whatever, kind of let them explore mm-hmm. and encourage them to try things, but then let them become who they want who they want to be and not like white knuckle it because we think this is what they should do Mm -hmm. and meet them where their interests are. I mean, we're pretty like more on the, like, uh, we're not like free range parenting, but I'm not a helicopter mom. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like I let my kids do, but there's definitely boundaries and that they had to, and you know, rules that they had to follow Um, and expectations kind of like in our home. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we wanted to support them and get involved in the things that they wanted to do. So my younger daughter, like I said, is really into music. So my husband and her, like a lot of their bonding surrounded going to concerts and festivals and doing music stuff. And my older daughter really into sports and so they would do a lot of like go to sporting events and do things like that so it wasn't so much of like we're gonna force you and not that there aren't things that they had to do that Mm -hmm. we wanted to do it wasn't Mm -hmm. like we just kind of succumbed to them but really putting them in a situation that they would want to include us yeah. because we were fun and we wanted to do, and we had an interest in the things that they were interested in. Does that make sense?
0: Right. And, and, and acknowledging that sometimes you have to grow into that interest too, because sometimes they are trying something totally different and new than, that, I mean, especially for me and my boys, like I'm not an athletic person at all. And so all of my kids being super into soccer, it was kind of like, uh, like <laughs> how, do, where, yeah, where sure. do I fit in? Right. And so learning about the sport, being supportive of the sport, and I don't have to necessarily be the best soccer player, you know, mom for them, but, you know, how can I integrate myself in that passion for them and show them that I'm all in I'm as much an in as they are in in that interest. It's been interesting. Yeah.
1: Totally. I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No. I think that's great. And the other thing, and this is, you know, kind of my, you know, free advice. So, you know, you get what you pay for. I always tell people but, <laughs> you know, when moms of littles will like ask me you know my opinion on certain things another thing that I have really done is I've always had my own thing like my life as much as you know I take a bullet for my kids and probably anybody's kid let's be honest I'm a mom but I always they always knew that I had a job or I was volunteering right other things going on even if I wasn't working out of the home that I wouldn't just stop what I was doing at any given time for them, mm-hmm. that they had a weight, that the world didn't revolve around them. And we always tried to set like healthy boundaries. So as they grew up and understood, it empowered their own independence and trust that we had in them to make mistakes, because that's how we all learn, mm-hmm. as opposed to just doing everything for them. So I see that now as a mom with begs, mm-hmm. where a lot of their friends and I, I'll hear this, especially for my college daughter, who will say, "Like, mom, I can't believe like how much you know my roommate's parents do for them or whatever. Right, you know what I mean? Right. My friends' parents help. Like I, you know, just things that she takes for granted to be able to have the independence to just." navigate and do on her own. Other people just don't necessarily, they haven't been given the opportunity. It's not that they can, it's not that they're unable to, it's just that they either don't have the confidence or they've never been taught the skills to be able to do that. And I think that that just kind of lends itself into part of the whole organization cycle. You know, when you talk about what I do for a living, you know, it's all a learned skill, all of these strategies and habits, and it comes through trial and error. And that's part of how we all learn as moms, right? (laughs)
0: Absolutely. And when you're talking about this, I'm thinking of kind of how brainwashed we've become to want to think a great mom is somebody that does everything for our kids and makes life easier for them. I have a really bad acid reflux in this pregnancy and it's like wrecking my throat and I like wake up with like no voice every morning because of this acid reflux, even though I sleep on three pillows, but that's besides the point. Oh
1: my gosh, I'm having a girl. Do you know what you're having? No, I'm having another boy. You are your four boys. I have a friend who has four boys. It's so
0: yeah, it's so fun. But I was surprised because some of my symptoms are very different with this pregnancy, and so I was actually quite astounded that it was another boy. But I guess that's just what we do. So that's, that's fine what, too.
1: That's what you do. That's I, have what a I do. Quick, funny side yeah. So my college roommate has three boys, and all she wanted was a girl. And the myself and our other roommate both have two girls. Uh And we were just like, you just, you guys just don't make girls. Like, sorry, you know, like you're going to have to find like another donor if you want a girl. Cause if you go for four, I'm sure you're going to have a, you're going to have another
0: boy. Exactly. And I think there is something to that for sure. Like, yeah, I think some people are just more prone to that, which is, it's all meant to be, but it is, it is funny
1: like that. For sure.
0: No, but what I was uh, thinking of saying before I couldn't talk was, uh, We think making life easier for our kids is what being a good mom is. And yet some of the very things that our kids push back on, whether it's chores or, you know, independence or not jumping up as soon as they ask for something because mom is busy doing something else. And maybe it is for herself exclusively. Those types of things are the things that really form our kids into these independent, capable Adults. And, you know, there were some things that I went to college and I'm like, gosh, I've never even been asked to, you know, clean the lint out of the dryer, right? Like I did some of my own laundry, but there's just certain steps that I was never instructed on. And my mom was just doing it because it made life easier or she didn't think about it or whatever it was. And so I think when we can think not only about, you know, kind of not selfishly, but like, what do we want for our own personal life? What do we want to craft our life as an adult woman to look like? But also the benefits that our kids are gaining as we are A, modeling independence, and you know, self-development, and perseverance and going through challenges and everything on our own, but then also teaching them those life skills that really do make a difference when they're out in the world. And especially when they have the comparison of a roommate that, you know, doesn't even know how to boil water for pasta because they never had to. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And even, you know, a lot of the stuff that I talk about in terms of kind of the organization piece Mm -hmm. has to do with, productivity and and balancing your time because that's where so many of us struggle. And just even being able to navigate, okay, I need to get up a certain amount of time so that I can make my bed and put the dishes away or put the dishes in the dishwasher, you know, and, and really just be able to say, okay, how can I budget my time? How can I budget my finances? These are all life skills that somewhere kind of like along the way, you know, they've gotten diluted and, you know, if if you are, you know, again, coming with the most like pure hearted motives to make your kids life easier in the long run, it you may want to rethink your strategy. Yeah, you know, I say to a lot of people Um, just because you know, getting them involved in the process, having them shout you, yes, especially when they're little, it's time consuming. Like I, you know, think back to, you know, when my kids were little and they wanted to help me like make cookies or wrap a present or all of those things that it's like, oh my gosh, this is taking 10 times longer than it should be. Hate- but we are, we are setting them up for this independence and this is where my fake psychology degree comes in. We're also showing them that we trust them ah. to be able to make these decisions. And again, if they make a mistake, if they do something and it they fall flat on their face, literally or figuratively, okay, they'll get back up. You know, it's you're not giving them the keys to the car. It is a matter mm-hmm. of, you know, these are like little incremental steps yeah. of cleaning, you know, cleaning up their room after they play or the playroom or <clears throat> putting their um, throwing, helping to throw a load of laundry in or fold a load of laundry or whatever it is. All these little things just kind of add up and it gives them perspective mm-hmm. over how long something takes, you mm-hmm. know, um, wait to the first time they clean their bathroom and then somebody comes in and you know spits toothpaste all over the sink oh, they're gonna be annoying yes. like, I just did that yes so it gives you a different perspective because you have a little bit more skin in the game yes
0: yes and they finally get it more because they yeah have that that sense of ownership over what they just did and what I loved you just saying was that you're bringing them in on the process I think when we leave kids to just be like go clean up your room When there's no expectation of, you know, how or what that is supposed to look like or if they're going to get criticized in the end because they didn't do it good enough or if they're just even just left alone in their room to do it, like, that's a pretty, like, lame way to go about it and pretty boring for them depending upon their age and things. So being in on it with them and training them. And if you're baking cookies, not just saying like, "Oh yeah, like go make yourself a sandwich," but saying like, "Let me show you how to do that. Let me show you how to load the dishwasher" instead of just, "Load the dishwasher." Or can I can I wash and you dry? Kids want that time, and I think you can probably agree, even with older kids, that may push push away a little bit physically, they still long for that connection with their parents, don't they?
1: Absolutely. And I think it all has to do with just open communication and setting the expectations. So when my kids were younger and even to this day, if they're like, I want to cook something or make something now they're older and they can do it on their own or have friends over and be like, Hey, I want to make brownies or whatever it is. That's totally fine. But getting them involved, that part of the process isn't just stirring the batter. Mm-hmm. It's also doing the dishes afterwards. And while it's, and letting them understand that that you have to to see something through from start to finish, mm. and so then it becomes, it becomes the norm. Just like when you have your friends over when they're little, and if I knew that they were on a play date and their friend was getting picked up at four o'clock. At 3.45, I would, you know, call down to them and say, okay, guys, you have to start cleaning up and build that time in. Mm -hmm. You're just setting the expectation from the get-go and as opposed to just always leaving it to like, you know, having no margin. And, you know, we talk about this as moms in our own lives, how we're, you know, our schedules, our lives are like packed to the gills and, you know, building that margin in as part of the the equation is just as important. And it's just as important part of the process.
0: Mm.
1: There was something else that you said that I was going to comment on. Oh, I know what it was. Yeah. It was about the whole clean your room thing. Yeah. That's a big hot button. Kay. And I've done a lot of talking about that and a lot of teaching about that. And My advice for anybody that's out there, um, I agree with everything that you said, um, is, first of all, being very specific. And I think this goes really for anything, with Mm -hmm. anybody that you're communicating with. And it could be in a professional setting, it could be in a personal setting, because there's so much that's left to interpretation, what a clean room is, you know, I'm air (laughs) quoting right now. And so being very specific of I need you to go t- pick up your Legos and put them into the bin. Yes. Or I need you to put your clothes in the hamper or I need you to take your dress up clothes and put them in the basket. Mm-hmm. Whatever it is, or put your books back on the bookshelf. Being very very specific is super important especially for kids because again there is so much gray. Uh, you know, uh, You tell a kid to go clean their room and they shove everything under the bed or in the closet. Mm -hmm. Well, to them it's clean Mm because it's out of sight, out of mind, but that's not really teaching them. Mm -hmm. So having those specific things is really important. And the second thing, my advice for anybody is just to try to make it fun. As adults, you know, these some of these mundane chores, like we procrastinate on and imagine you know, like a seven-year-old. So if you can, I always try to make it like, okay, we're going to do like an organ, you know, a a cleanup race. Like, let's see who can clean up in short amount of time. And you set a timer or however you want to do it, or even just keeping them company and, you know, helping them, whatever it looks like. I think making it less daunting and overwhelming is... The way to have lasting success I mean I know yeah. I like to have distraction you know mm-hmm. let them listen to music or mm-hmm. you know I try not to have like tv because then I know my own kids then get sucked in <laughs> yeah. but like let them have some sort of like auditory thing yeah sing the music like I know I listen to a podcast when I'm doing stuff yeah. just because it's it's a nice distraction from the boring tasks that we have to do mm-hmm. um, but it's it's all part of kind of that life skill that I think as parents is really something that we we need to remind ourselves that it's not our responsibility to do it all.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. That is an absolutely great point. And so with the people that you have worked with over time, as this has become at the forefront of, of your passion in life and of your business, would you say that people struggle more with the time organization part of things or like the physical organization part of life?
1: So it's a good question because I think they're really intertwined. And when I do my teaching, I, I use like a model with three intersecting concentric circles. And one of them is the physical clutter. And then another one is what I call emotional clutter, which is like the guilt or the fear that either holds us back from getting rid of physical stuff or the guilt that we can't say no to things obligations committees our kids our spouse or what our parents whatever it is and then there's the what i call calendar clutter which is again just the being overscheduled and not being efficient with the time mm. that we have and so because they're really intertwined i think there's different seasons of life that we experience different things um i don't think i i know When I was a mom with littles, you know, and I had a lot of little toys or big toys rather, Mm -hmm. you know, physical clutter was more of a thing for me because, you know, I had stuff, you know, as that that as my kids got older and they got less physical toys, you know, there was maybe more calendar clutter that kind of took up my time because I was driving them from activity to activity. And just, so I think it's, I think it's like seasonal in our life where we are. Um, But I do think that there are certain people that gravitate towards, material things Mm -hmm. they like to shop they don't have the right strategies or take the time to get rid of things they're constantly accumulating and they're not cycling out so I I don't really think it's uh, it's a it's a one or nothing I think everybody is a little bit of a dominant type that they gravitate towards Um, but it's not it's a fluid process
0: yeah I love that way of thinking about it. And you're so right in different seasons of life. Yeah, we we kind of divvy up our pie chart differently of, of how we're expending that energy or, or that space or that time. Can we talk about how in the last year, despite the fact that my calendar has freed up quite significantly, I feel even more pressed for time to actually accomplish things. Like the less I have to do... And the less – then the more time I have, the less I actually end up doing. Have you oh, found that? Uh, like, what the heck?
1: <laughs> oh, 100%. Okay. I mean, there's that – first of all, there's that, like, old cliche or quote that says, like, you want to get something done, ask a busy person. You know? Yeah, Whatever yeah. it is, I don't, I'm probably misquoting it. The more – I don't even want to call it free time because it's not free time. Right. The
0: more available but, time. You know? Yeah.
1: We – we're not on deadlines to catch a train or catch a bus or get to, you know, leave for a commute or whatever it is um, or get to the office. It's, you know, we start to like get a little slacky. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for myself. Me okay? too. I'm not speaking for anybody. You else. can speak for me too. <laughs> um, and what happens is, is I find that affects our internal drive and motivation. Mm-hmm. And, I also, well, I think there's a lot of things at play. So I think, first of all, we're home all the time. So we are doing everything from our four walls. There's never a break. Like the sink never gets a break. You know, Mm -hmm. the workspace never gets a break. There's always a meal to be made. Somebody's doing something, a computer, like you're either in school or on work or whatever it is. And so- the lines have gotten so blurred over the past year that it's very hard to kind of create those boundaries that were just naturally there before. Mm-hmm. So I I think that that's that's one problem. Another issue that we're struggling with is you know at the beginning when we thought oh it's just gonna be a few weeks and then we're gonna we're gonna like we're kind of hitting the pause button and then we're gonna go back you know people were tackling projects and you know still had like a little bit of a pep in their step and because we know there'll be an end like there will be an end in sight but it's just taking longer Mm -hmm. than we had hoped that it just makes it harder to dig deep to just say okay I'll do it today because you're like well I can just do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to be ground up. Yes, that's it. That's it. That's right. And again, I'm Ugh. listen, I'm not speaking I'm speaking from this is like coming from my personal journal. You know, yeah. like this is that's that's this is the narrative that I'm telling myself, you know? Right. Uh ah, stay in bed till 7:30. And again, you know, I have big kids, so it's like I don't have little ones that are, you know, she's managing herself with her schedule, you know, maybe if I had to, you know, get the kids on zoom or get them if they are going to school, get them out the door doing all these things. Maybe I would have a little bit more motivation, but because it's like, mm, if I put pants on today, what difference does it make? Right. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. And taking a break every now
0: and again does feel really nice and restorative and, and fortunate. but then there's also something really nice about when you get momentum again. Right. And so it's kind of like, I don't know if you'd recommend this, but like setting arbitrary deadlines for yourself on things that you actually do want to get done that would actually like make your life better and, 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 and create that. So how do you determine kind of what those things are or how do you hold yourself accountable if you're kind of just floating, if you're in that season?
1: That's such a great question. And yes, I think it's, it's having that discipline, mm-hmm. which again, is always easier said than done. And what I recommend is people kind of look at what are the areas that are your, what, what are your pain points right mm-hmm. now? Do you feel that you've gotten off track with eating? Do you feel that you've gotten off track with housework? Do you feel that you've gotten off track with um, exercise, like whatever it is, right? Mm-hmm. Look at what what do you feel that like I am like my bar is so low right mm-hmm. now, you mm-hmm. know, and say, OK, is this have this like kind of come to Jesus, honest conversation with yourself? Is this something that if I dig deep, I feel that I could start to put some like guardrails in place and be motivated to tackle this on my own? Or do I need to like enlist A buddy, an accountability Mm. partner, it could be saying I'm going to, you know, sign up for a Peloton class, you know, a certain time of day or I'm going to go for a walk. And who if if I know that, you know, I am not the most disciplined to kind of keep my word to myself, because, again, most of us are. 10 times more inclined. And that's not an actual statistic that's made up, yeah. <laughs> you know, but we're, yeah. we're going to break a promise to ourselves way before we're going to break it to somebody else. Yeah. And so no, like, if I, are you the type of person that says, okay, I'm, I'm laying down the gauntlet, like enough is enough. I'm going to, you know, start doing whatever, walking, walking, three times a week, are you going to do it? If you put it in a reminder on your calendar or if you have a whiteboard calendar or whatever you do, like if I put it on the calendar that I'm going for a walk every morning at eight o'clock, are you going to do it? And if you know yourself and you're like, eh, the first, you know, the first gray day or whatever, you're in San Diego or whatever, Mm -hmm. like you probably don't have them. But, (laughs) you know, if you're somewhere where you're like the first thing to go off you know, awry, I'm not going to do it. Well, what parameters, if this is something that's really important to me and I really think this is going to help me, um, what can I do? Can I ask a neighbor? Can I ask a friend? Can I, you know, what can I do to start to make it easier? Like so that it's low hanging fruit. Yes. I think you know, if we, we oftentimes make things way more complicated And I talk about this with like a physical system in your house, as much as it is with your habits and routine, Mm -hmm. the easier it is to implement the longer you're going to have staying power. So think about what is the, what is the best way to make that happen for you? Um, And even little things like I just published this article about the power of making your bed every morning. Mm -hmm. You know, so many people it's, I know it's something that's been, you know, talked about like for years and years and years, but it's true. Like little things about just going in and setting those, okay, we're at a bed, we're setting the room, we're setting the tone. And then at night now we're like at the close and we I make the bed and we start, it's like a start and an end yeah. to things. Um, What are some things that you can do? I know for me, I have been really intentional that I am stopping work by, unless I have like, you know, a call or deliverable, but I, if I'm in my office, I am stopping work at four o'clock and like, that is my cutoff because I could sit in my office for hours, you know, doing stuff. There's always something to do, but then what happens is it just winds up becoming like this long dried out thing. So I had to find this is I'm stopping this at this time. I'm going to put an end to it and then I can revisit this tomorrow. Yeah. And there's nobody that's holding me accountable to that other than myself, but I am leaving my computer in my office. I'm not bringing it with me downstairs and you know, I'm just putting those physical guardrails in place so that I can distance myself.
0: And I think so many times especially as moms as we wear so many hats, we get this kind of all or nothing mentality so if it's hard to identify even our pain point necessarily sometimes because it just feels like nothing's working oh my right gosh, but yeah. really usually there's one crux issue that if you were to address that one thing it would have a trickle effect into all these other things I hear that a lot about Cleaning up your physical space. When you clean up your physical space, it does so much mentally and for your time management and for getting work done. You know, it is just it snowballs, right? But all you had to do was clean up your desk and organize your desk to get to get going on that. And one thing, one thought I had in the shower this morning, actually, so I'm eight months pregnant, and cleaning is not something that sounds fun right now (laughs) by any means. Even if I have a podcast in my ear, usually that's how I get through these things. But I was thinking, what if I had a cleaner, a house cleaner come to my house one time, like in the next week, because I feel really overwhelmed with the state right now. What if they came in, did a real deep clean, and then I just had to keep it up? Like I feel like we're so below sea level right now that it feels too yeah. hard to get back up. So what if I could hire somebody one time to bring me up to sea level, so then I could maintain it? Okay, that sounds a lot more desirable to me. So there's 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 lots of creative ways to address any any pain point in your life.
1: Absolutely, and I think it goes back to our earlier point of the you thinking you have to do everything. Yeah by yourself yeah um you know there's other and i and i think there's a couple things that you that you mentioned here that we could just you know talk about which is first of all we go through different seasons where we have to just maybe adjust our expectations a little bit you know your house again once when you know we went into lockdown your house is not going to look picture perfect nobody's house is gonna be pinterest perfect not that it ever was but if there was any chance that it would be (laughs) when you're all like living breathing eating sleeping whatever in your house it's not going to look like that because it's just it's it's um you know it's unrealistic so we have to realize that there are going to be times and i talk about this in my teaching that there is like what I call situational clutter and it could be like around Christmas time when you're getting a lot of gifts and your house is a little bit like, you know, the North pole and you've got stuff going on mm-hmm. or you're preparing for a big event and there's things that are happening. And so there are certain times in our lives where there's going to just be a certain level of like situational clutter. And I think we have to realize that that's okay. Okay. You know, and right. tell ourselves it's all right. Um, and then the delegation is huge. And whether that's delegating to a spouse, delegating to a family member, I mean, to like one of your kids, mm-hmm. or outsourcing it to a professional. Like you yeah. said, in your case, it maybe it's worth it for me for my sanity at this point and my overall well being to you know, pay to have a professional come in and help me with this right? and just set me up. And we have this weird notion that we think we're supposed to know how to do everything and be able to do everything. And I talk to people all the time that will call me about like professional organize, like the professional organizing part of it Mm -hmm. and say, well, I should be able to do this. Well, if you've been taught, maybe. But there there are certain things that are a learned skill and if you weren't exposed to it and some people's brains tend to work in certain ways that it just comes more naturally to them Um, but other people they just don't and what might be something that is obvious and you know common sense to to me might not be something that you would ever think of but now that it's been brought to your attention and I've Taught you and educated you on how to do this and how to maintain it and what to look for. And when you run into this particular problem, here's how you solve it. Mm-hmm. Well, now you have a roadmap. Yeah. And you can follow it. And what's beautiful is if it's simple enough, the other people can follow it. Yeah. So that then absolves you of this obligation to say that you have to do everything. Right. All at once. Right. And oftentimes
0: the people that we look at that we compare ourselves to or are jealous of or things like that, we are really focusing on – you know, the thing that they're doing really well. And maybe it is the thing they're naturally gifted at or enjoy the most or things like that. But guaranteed, they're also not doing other things at all or perfectly or they're outsourcing or whatever it is. And we're just not focusing on those things. We are behind the scenes of our own life, not in theirs. And so just giving ourselves the benefit of the doubt that. You know, we have those things that are our own personal strengths and the things that we're awesome at and the things that people look at us and think, wow, I wish I could plan a birthday party like Lori, or I wish I could organize my house like Lori, or I could fill in the blank, right? But it's fine if that's not your thing, like do your thing. And then if there's other things that are still pain points, that's when we get creative and address those things one at a time for the things that are really Holding us back, right?
1: Oh, a hundred percent. I always I like to use this analogy, especially because I think as women we can relate to this. So there's always a part of ourselves physically that we don't like. Mm. It could be your hips. It could be your boobs. It could be your nose. It could be whatever, right? Yeah. So there's at least, I've never met a woman that's like, I just love every single thing about myself. Right. So we all have at least, probably sadly, probably more than one, but we all have at least one area that is our kind of like shame point. And what's interesting is when we look at other women, We probably now that I've said this, like take note, you probably look to those to those spots on other people. Mm. So if you don't have big boobs and you know that that's a sore spot for you, when you look at somebody else and you're judging, indirectly judging like, oh, my God, she's so beautiful or she's so successful or she's so this, you are often looking at that part that you feel insecure about on your uh, own. Yes. So yes, you're automatically true. looking at her boobs. Now, meanwhile, maybe for her, her boobs aren't a problem. She's like, I've got, you know, curvy big hips, but you're not even looking at her hips, you know, that's not even on your radar. So we're always taking the parts of ourselves that we're most insecure about. And again, that could be physical or that could also just, it could be professional. It could be other moms, you know, it could be fill in the blank, but any of those insecurities within ourselves, it could be in somebody else's, what you think somebody else's marriage has so many things where we start doing these like false narrative comparisons based on what we think based on what we think we're seeing Mm. and it's like you said it's either a not true or maybe they are really killing it in that one area but chances are like you said there are other areas where you're a rock star and those people, you know, you might be an awesome cook and like cook these incredible meals and somebody else might be this like amazing, like business, you know, savvy entrepreneur and you know, their kids eat like takeout every night or, you know, you know, box dinners. Again, I'm not shaming anybody for their choices. But we all just have
0: to make choices. We all make choices for how we want our life to run and we're allowed to do that. And so is everybody else. So you just, you just give yourself permission to just
1: do you. Yeah. I, absolutely. That's a great and just point. really prioritize. And I tell people this, like prioritize what is important to you. Yes. You know, whenever I see anybody getting really stressed out over their stuff, then I'm like, okay, when your stuff is causing you stress, then it's a problem. You know, mm-hmm. so many people will be like, oh, my mom needs an organizer or my friend needs an organizer. Or, I want it. It's like, if they're not stressed about it, there's no reason for but if you're starting yeah. to see that this is an area that is causing anxiety or shame or whatever, right, then it's like, okay, you're giving way too much power to something. Yeah. And we need to figure out. And again, that could be calendar clutter. That could be, right. you know, I've talked to plenty of people they are like, I don't have clutter, but they are so exhausted and resentful because they're overextended and have trouble saying no to things and setting appropriate boundaries. Yeah. And so then they get burnt out and that's a type of clutter in your life. So really starting to say, okay, where am I struggling? Right. And starting there.
0: This is such a good conversation, especially starting off the new year where so many of us have goals or looking at our lives through a different lens, a hopeful lens of, you know, how 2021 can be different than 2020, especially. And I think these are so many, so much great food for thought in what we just talked about. And the good news is you have a podcast, you have a whole business around this, and there's more of where this came from. So Lori, tell people where they can find you online.
1: So the best place to go is my website. That's probably like the hub for everything, which is simply the letter be like boyorganized.com. Mm-hmm. And from there you can check out uh my show, um, which is called This Organized Life, um, or wherever you get your podcasts, if you're mm-hmm. obviously podcast listeners. Um, you can also buy my book. That's you can buy it right from the website or it's sold on Amazon or wherever you get books and there's tons of free resources there so if you're looking for like checklists and tools and tons and tons of articles um that's there and then we also have a network of other professional organizers so if you are somebody that says listen i'm really struggling with clutter and i i need some professional help and i want somebody to give me some strategies and a roadmap," um you can either connect up directly with me through our contact page Or find a local organizer in your area. So Mm -hmm. it's on our resources page. So everything is there. And of course, we're all over social. Let's simply be organized.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Lori, this has been such a meaningful conversation. And I am so excited to go hire house cleaner (laughs) to come over and then get me back to sea level. And that will be so, so helpful. I always ask my guests one final question. And it is this. What would you tell your pre-motherhood self?
1: Oh, gosh. Um, (laughs) I would say, honestly, I would say parent more by faith than by fear. In those early years, I was so, like, white-knuckling it, afraid of making a mistake. And um, I think I missed out on, like, just relaxing and having some, like – I mean, I had plenty of joyous moments, but I think I was so – I was so focused on doing everything right that I, you know, if I had a kid now, I, I'd i be a totally different parent.
0: So, yeah, yeah just enjoy, enjoy the ride They'll a little bit more. more.
1: They're resilient. Yeah. The kids are resilient. They'll be fine. That's
0: awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lori. I'm so excited to dive into your podcast and all the other resources. This sounds so awesome. And, This is the kick in the pants that I need, Lori. This is great. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you,
1: and good luck with your baby. I'm so excited. Thank
0: you. I hope you got as many good ideas from Lori as I did, and I hope my voice being scratchy didn't bug you too much. (laughs) You know, that's the downside of being a podcaster when you have vocal issues sometimes, but That being said, Lori's message was loud and clear to me. Where are you struggling right now? You don't need to tackle all the things all at once, but what is the thing that is causing you the most aggravation, that is trickling into other facets of your life and causing discontent or frustration or even anger or resentment? Deal with that. Is it the mental clutter? Is it the physical clutter? Is it your time management? What needs to be cleaned up and what needs to happen in order to make those changes so that there is a positive trickle effect in the rest of your life. I promise it will happen if you just start with that one thing and it's different for all of us, but I hope you got some good starting point ideas for today. If you don't already follow me on Instagram, you can do that at Jessica Dahlquist 3 or on Facebook at Extraordinary Moms Podcast. Everything and everywhere that you can find Lori is going to be linked over at ExtraordinaryMomsPodcast.com. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast today, and we will see you next week for another episode with another Extraordinary Mom. Bye.